the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome back to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm Mike Ionello, joined by Mike Calabrese. And yes, I know what you guys are thinking. I'm hosting this week. So I'm just going to jump right into it with our G5 Hero of the Week because I have two this week. The first one, our baby boy, Jake Hayner, returns for Fresno State, 394 yards, three touchdowns. They were down 28-10 with less than a minute to go in the third quarter. Fresno State scored 15 points in the last minute, nine seconds. They had a rushing touchdown. Hayner threads the needle for a two-point conversion. They recover one of the craziest onside kicks I've ever seen, a miraculous return from injury for Jake Hayner, which leads me right into my second G5 Hero of the Week. Another just gritty return from injury, Michael Calabrese joins us today on the podcast despite having emergency gallbladder removal surgery this weekend he i mean i've seen some people play through pain we saw jake hayner limping around i'll be honest i don't exactly know where the gallbladder is but i'm assuming it's a long way from the heart what a performance g5 here of the week calories how you feeling I'm feeling all right, a little bit banged up. I, I do have to say that it's clear my gallbladder did not have the same buyout situation as Jimbo Fisher because no problem, no red tape getting that out of my body once it started acting up. Um, very happy that I was out of surgery and the anesthesia lifted at about 11.50, so I was still able to put in my bets on, on the action app. Um, my G5 hero here actually is something near and dear to your heart. It's actually in the background of your live shot at this very moment. We're talking about Maction. Maction is back. The battle for the bell, the battle for the bricks, the bronze stalk. The way I would describe it to people who have never watched College Football before is that Maction football is not a good enough candy bar to be handed out in king size. No one's going to eat a king size Charleston chew. But when you start chopping it up into little fun sizes and serving it on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, people are very much into it. So that element of it brings me back year after year. The fact that it's a novelty, it's during the week. There's always this kind of feel that anything can happen. And you saw it last night. I know I promised I would not mention this team on the podcast. They're in podcast prison, but state. The end of that game last night, Colin Schley sliding on a desperation fourth down run with no defender around him comes up a half yard short of the first down and they lose. As our producer Matt and I like to say, bad teams find new and exotic ways to lose football games all the time. So Maction delivers once again for me. And then the rewards awaiting these teams as we get into the stretch run of conference play, the Bahamas Bowl, the Quick Lane Bowl, the Cure Bowl, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, all bowl games that I love. So 
when people say that this is meaningless football, maybe just to them, because this is certainly meaningful to these teams, this drive to six, get to bowl eligibility, fill out some of these fun early mid-December bowl games. I'm excited about Maction. I'm glad it's back. I have a question for you. Who do you think was more coherent and understandable at 11.50 on Saturday morning? You awakened from anesthesia and emergency surgery, or Lee Corso just doing anything on game day? Yeah, I think we were probably in a very similar spot. I think you're playing the role of Herbie in this episode, where you're just trying to set me up and I can just knock a few pins down. Um, Certainly not doing the heavy lifting. No heavy lifting for me until uh, next week. True. All right. Well, with that, we'll just jump right on into it. Calabrese probably has to go take a nap soon, so much like Corso. So let's get into our best bets. I'll get us started. I'm going with I think what I think is going to be a fun little over here. I'm taking South Alabama at Georgia Southern over 60 and a half. We've talked about this Georgia Southern offense all year. They have converted from this triple option to this air raid spread attack, 15th highest passer rate in the country. Not only do they pass the ball a ton, but they do it really well. They're 16th in the country in success rate, fourth in the nation in yards per game. You know, Van Trees, he's chucking around. He's got four different players averaging at least 60 yards per game. Hood, Burgess, Singleton, Jones, they've all been explosive. They give them a ton of weapons. They play super fast, which is always good for an over. Sixth in the country in seconds per play. The Eagles are averaging 36.9 yard, uh, points per, per game. So I'm not worried about this offense. However, the defense is 92nd in success rate, 81st in explosiveness. Now, South Alabama does have fantastic defensive numbers. I really like what Kane Womack's done over there. I do like their defense. They're 11th in the nation in success rate. But if you look at, you know, they've played some bad teams. Like, come on, they held Nickel State to seven points, La Tech to 14, Louisiana to 17. They held Arkansas State to three. And then they played that weird 10-6, you know, rock fight against Troy. So they've been able to kind of pad their stats against bad offenses, but they gave up 24 points to Central Michigan, whose offense is a mess now, 32 to UCLA, 34 to UL Monroe. UL Monroe threw, threw for 371 yards, four touchdowns. They averaged 7.6 yards per play. So South Alabama has passed the ball all season. They've gotten better at picking up big plays in the running game recently. They're really well balanced, 14 passing touchdowns, 15 rushing touchdowns. Georgia Southern's defense can't really stop either. So I think this Georgia Southern offense is kind of unique enough and high-flying enough that I think they can do enough damage against this defense to push the total over here. I like it. No notes on that one. I'm going to hop into my best bet. And far be it from me to go the entire 22 season and not get a part of the UConnaissance. UConn football, now a 15 and a half point favorite. Their largest spread that they're having to cover since 2010 when they went to the Fiesta Bowl. They're a wagon. Mike, they are a wagon. They are an absolute wagon. You know who isn't a wagon? UMass. So UMass... They're the worst offense in college football. I don't think you need to really break down a lot of the extra advanced metrics to to come to that conclusion. But they're also giving up a ton of long plays, both on the ground and through the air. They have a similar game, because I understand our listeners may be worried that UConn's not going to be able to score enough. Temple beat them 28-0. UConn's offense is slightly better than Temple. So when I look at what UConn has, they can run the football. They're 22nd in explosiveness on the ground. 
And they're, this is an interesting stat for UConn. They're first nationally in limiting explosive passing plays. So generally when you play a team as bad as UMass, maybe one fluke play goes for 65 yards, they get in field goal range, or they get a touchdown, they cash in. That's really their only chance, and that's something that UConn does really well. So I'm going to take the Huskies late 15 and a half at home here in a battle of New England. And I believe this gets them to five wins. So bowl eligibility on the table in a year when Kansas and UConn are turning it all around. I want to have a part of it. I don't want to miss out on this fun. So I'm going to go with that for my best bet here in week 10. There's an old saying that many of us gamblers know well. Good teams win, great teams cover. No team in the country has covered the spread more this year than Jim Moore Jr.'s UConn Huskies. They are 7-2 ATS, tied for the most covers at 7 with the Tennessee Volunteers, who just were ranked number one in the country. So all I'm hearing, Tennessee 1, UConn 2. You don't just go into the rent on a Friday night and not get your doors blown off. I love it. I'm on it, too. Now we'll turn to the G5 High Five. The G5 High Five. Should we high five? High five! I'll get us started with Tulane, who, by the way, is the only team in the group of five ranked in the top 25. So Matt Mitchell, I'm sure he's asking his son what kind of T-shirt he wants. But I'm going to Tulane, Tulsa, under 58. Now, a stud G5 defense, I do believe, is as good as advertised, is Tulane. So I said I didn't really with South Alabama. I do with Tulane. They're six in the country in defending explosiveness. They just allow zero big plays just all year. Just don't give up any chunk plays. They're terrific against the run, seventh in the country. They're uh, they're terrific against the run, and they're seventh in the country in coverage grade. And I just don't love this Tulane offense. I just – I never have. Davis Brin, he led the country in interceptions last season. He got seven picks this year, 13 turnover-worthy plays. He's completing less than 60% of his passes. Oh, and, and he got hurt last week. So I don't even know if he's playing. Freshman Braylon Baxton took over. He's completing 50% of his passes this year. If he's in, we could see a more run-first approach, which just feeds right into the teeth of this Tulane defense. That's what they do best. And while this Tulane, uh, the Tulsa defense has taken a step back without Joseph Gillespie, which obviously we knew they would, but they've still actually been pretty good against the pass. They're 18th in the country in success rate. They're 24th in coverage rate. So that they actually haven't dropped off as much as I think we talked about preseason. So I think they could keep Pratt in check. And especially if Bryn is out, this could just be a run fest. And then this stays over the total of 58. Yeah, I think I'm having PTSD to the two-lane Memphis under that I had a couple of weeks ago when you had a 90-yard punt return touchdown and then a muff punt inside the 20 all in the first quarter basically blew that up from the get-go. But I kind of like this play because I had this circled as a potential play on Tulsa. I'm just worried when the expectations and playing the the hunted as opposed to the hunter is going to catch up to Tulane. So maybe I go ahead and pass on you know the spread here and play a lower scoring game. Because I agree, there's there's some issues certainly on the Tulsa side offensively to be able to play their part in pushing this past 57. Um, so I like it. I'm going to go, you know, try to balance this out with an over. James Madison traveling to Louisville. It's 52 and a half. I like the over here. It's all predicated on Todd Santeo. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Because he has a strained oblique, and it's one of the most difficult injuries for anyone who bets on baseball or is a baseball fan. A guy could strain his oblique and be out for a weekend series, or he could be out for three months. It, it just... It all goes into the the overall severity of it. 
But if he plays, this kid's top 20 in QBR in the entire country. They're 34th in success rate on offense. And when you look at the Louisville side of things, they're finally getting to cooking offensively their last four games, 33, 34, 24, 48. I understand they had a whole bunch of pick six. It was a pick six parade against Wake Forest. But the known commodity in this game is Malik Cunningham. And he is the Pied Piper of one of the most explosive running games in the entire country. In his last five starts, he's got 10 rushing touchdowns. I think this could devolve into a shootout if Santeo is a go. So this is one, you know, don't worry about getting the best number. Worry about getting the best quarterback on the field for the Dukes. So wait until kickoff to find out. Their head coach has been pretty cagey throughout the week, kind of just saying that, you know, we'd love to have him back. We don't know when we're going to have him back. Um, I think he's been a limited practice participant. So we're going to have to go ahead and check that, you know, ahead of kickoff. But if he's a go over 52, I think that's one of one of my best bets on the board for the whole week. I agree. I'd want some tail in, but if, if he does, I, I like it. Is he oblique near the gallbladder? Tell him to just cut that puppy out and get going. Yeah, I, I feel like it's in the, uh, you know, not that I'm a medical specialist, the middle, the middle of your body. So we'll go with a hockey injury, upper body for uh, Santeo. All right, for my second play, I'm taking Southern Miss minus two and a half. You backed them. They, they were your pick last week, right? With that, that obviously cash. Um, you know, I was so high on this Georgia State team coming into the year, but their offense just hasn't looked right all year. It's so they're so frustrating to watch. They did get a good win last week, um, but you know, Darren Granger is completing just 55 percent of his passes, 12 big time throws, 11 turnover worthy plays. He already has more interceptions than he had all last year. And kind of to balance that out, all they do is run the ball. They have the fourth highest rush rate per game, only behind the three service academies. The only problem is they're 106th in rushing success rate. You know, Jamius Williams has not been as explosive as he was last year. And, you know, Greg still runs it well, but they're just they're just not right. <laughs> and Southern Miss is 13th in the country at defending the run. They're 28th in line yards, 12th at creating havoc they're not it's not easy to run on them and then the golden eagles also run the ball 60 percent of the time half the time they don't even have a quarterback on the field and georgia state is 121st at defending the run you know app state ran for 404 yards and six touchdowns against them two weeks ago so they're 124th in tackling i fully expect to see a ton of frank gore jr in the wildcat kind of like we did against louisiana just running the ball every play Southern Miss loves to slow things down and just play these boring, gross games. I, I'll say there's no team I think I sweat more betting on them than Southern Miss. Because every time they have the ball, you're like, I don't know how they're going to score. Like, they can't pass. Even when they run the ball, like, Frank, there's so many times where I feel like Frank Gore Jr. gets, like, just stuffed at the line of scrimmage, and then all of a sudden he breaks it for 50 yards. They're, like, really hard to watch, but they just, like, win. That's kind of what they do. This is going to be a gross game, and I just think – if two teams run the ball constantly, one of them can stop the run. The other one can't. I'll take the one that can stop it. So I'll take Georgia's um, Southern Miss, I mean, at less than a field goal. Yeah, last week, Zach Wilkie, we talked about it. He just needed to not turn the ball over. He ends up throwing two passing touchdowns. They were far from dynamic through the air. But that's what it comes down to. I think if they protect the football and have zero or just one turnover in this game, I think they win going away. But he's had his issues with multiple turnover games really throughout the last month. So that's what it comes down to for them protecting the football. But I like it. Southern Miss is great. And, and the good thing is Granger's turned the ball over a lot well. And Southern Miss is good at forcing turnovers. Speaking of teams that we like, UTSA, essentially in a pick'em, traveling to UAB, 
kind of confusing for me. I know this is a contrast of styles. UTSA can't stop the pass at all. They're fourth in rushing defense success rate, though, 127th in explosiveness allowed on the ground. So when you do pop a run, you pop a long one. But the thing is, UAB can't throw at all. We know this, having watched many of their games in the last few weeks, having unfortunately been on their side in a few spots, their quarterback play is a disaster right now. And when it comes to coin flip games and a pick them, obviously, is a coin flip according to odds makers. You want to look at what's the best unit on the field. It's still the roadrunner offense. I mean, they're 11th in success rate. Frank Harris is still doing Frank Harris-like things. His receiving core, Franklin, Clark, Cephas, they have 18 receiving touchdowns this year. So I know that UAB has built up a reputation as a stingy defense, but they found a way to lose a lot of games in the last month. They lost to Rice. They threw an interception late against Western Kentucky. They lose to FAU. That FAU game was enough for me to finally like not be afraid of this UAB defense being able to carry them to victories. So despite the fact that they have Dwayne McBride, despite the fact that they're an elite running team, I think this will be a higher scoring game. And I think when they get to the second half and the fourth quarter in particular, and you have to score to keep pace with the UTSA offense that can go you know back and forth, I don't think they have the, the firepower to get it done. So I'm going to go ahead and take the better offense here and hope that the roadrunner run defense can at least prevent, you know, if they only give up two or three 30 yard runs in this game, it would be a victory given their track record this year. You just don't want to give up that quick strike touchdowns to McBride. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that. I think you, you kind of, I, I actually had this game written down on the cutting room floor uh, as the over. I think this is one of those things where people are going to get scared. I think the lower the number is low because of UAB's defense. But you mentioned, I think Frank Harrison's UTSA offense, Frank Harris at this point in his career is just one of those quarterbacks that could score on Georgia. Like, you know, he's going to put up off points on everyone. That's just, he's good. And their receivers are good. I don't think UAB can do enough. What's the total of this game? 50, 51. They could put up 24 on anybody. I think UAB will get, you know, the, the big rushing plays. McBride's going to have a big game. I think for both of our bets, this is, you know, monitor uh, Hopkins. He missed last. I think if Zeno is out, this is a, or Zeno's the quarterback. This is a smash spot for you. I'd probably back off the under or the over a little bit, but I, I agree. I think McBride will get big plays. So I do like the over here, but I think I'm just going to trust Frank Harris in this offense more than I, more times than I'm not going to. So I definitely like, I like both sides of that. All right. For my last play of the G5, high five. This is an easy one. I'm not going to say much. It's just automatic. Air Force at Army, under 40. I'm sure Colin Wilson's going to try to talk to you about the over on this on, on Thursday or Friday morning. I love Colin. Colin is smarter than me. I'm telling you right now, don't listen to him. Just fast forward. Our Action Network Bet Labs database dates back to 2005. Since 2005, the under between two service academies is 42, 9, and 1. That is an 82.4% win rate. The under has cashed in nine straight games between service academies, 14 of the last 15. Oh, and between Air Force and Army, it's 12-4-1 and one, and has cashed for eight straight years. The over has not hit between these two teams since 2013. If anybody tells you any other number other than that, don't listen. I don't care what Army's stuff rate is, because guess what? They weren't stuffing. They were stuffing teams not named Air Force or Navy. None of the rushing stats, nothing matters because it wasn't against another service academy. 
the if, if you guys want one data point, one data point to focus on, fine. Air Force beat Navy 13 to 10 a couple weeks ago. <laughs> this is an auto bat. And guess what? If this loses, that's just going to make me bet twice as much on Army Navy under because it ain't happening twice in one year. This bet is as lock as lock could be. Army Navy under 40. Just take it and thank me. Here's two more little nuggets if anyone drops in there. Army scored 90 points in the last two weeks. If someone says that to them, just shove them right into a locker. Were they locker. playing a service academy? They were playing Colgate and Louisiana Monroe. So that's all you need to know there. I agree. And there's also fool's gold in the advanced stats, like Air Force is first in passing explosiveness. They, they throw what? it like eight Guess times what? a game. Guess what, Calabrese? They weren't passing against Army or Navy. Okay, that's all. They weren't. These teams do, they're totally different teams when they play each other. They're just, they're like, it's like transformers. They, they're just, they don't do anything the same against service academies as they do against every other team in the country. A perfect transition to our money line underdog play, which has still yet to hit this season. What if your gallbladder was what was holding you back? They like, never got to the bottom of what was actually inflaming my gallbladder. It could be betting all of these absolute dog shit dumpster dive, money line, G5 team. Your gallbladder was the true underdog. And now <laughs> it's gone. And now ours will shine. I, I, I like the, the forced analogy there. The question I wanted to raise was, why is Air Force a considerable favorite on a neutral field? Because they're playing in Arlington. They're playing at 1030 local time, as though it's a CYO football game on a Saturday in the fall. I, I don't understand why they're playing this game so early a challenge for our fan base you know it's hard to get loosened up that early you know in the morning uh you don't probably want to crack your first beer till after 10 30 i get that but everybody's got to make sacrifices it takes what it takes that aside army money line plus 225 in this game listen air force in the last month they lost they they beat navy by three navy stinks they so they were in a one possession dog fight with navy they lost to utah state who's not good this year and they scored 14 points total against Boise State, despite having the most explosive passing offense, blah, blah, blah. I got sucked in. That's on me. Hand up. My fault. Army, meanwhile, this season, they came within an overtime loss of knocking off UTSA. I think the whole narrative on their season might be different had they won that game. I mentioned they scored 90 points in the last two weeks. doesn't matter in this game, but at least their offense is functioning properly. They've won four of the last five in this series. And the last four have all been played within four points. So I agree with your overall narrative on the game. It's going to be low scoring. It's going to come down to which team makes the mistake and puts the ball on the carpet and the other team picks it up. And to me, it makes it closer to like a 55-45 kind of coin flip situation. So to get north of two to one on my money, I'm going to go ahead and take the carbon copy team. I understand the Air Force has some better pieces of quarterback and with Roberts, you know, in that um, fullback position taking a lot of carries, but not enough to feel like they should be prohibitive favorites. I think in some books, they're minus 300 on the money line. I think that's ridiculous. So I'll go ahead and take the underdog here in Arlington. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. There's going to be lots of fans from both schools, lots of energy for the Commander-in-Chief Cup. So I'm just going to go ahead here and take the boys from West Point and, and hope for the best. Normally, I hate the fact that you take – touchdown underdogs despite having yet to hit one all year like come on calories let's take a layup here let's just make a layup first before we start launching from half court i don't actually hate it in this spot because kind of like i said there's gonna be 20 points scored in this game so that plus 250 
goes a lot longer and is a lot more valuable in a game that, you know, yeah, do I think Air Force is a better team? Absolutely. But I think this game is going to be 14 to 17 anyway. So, you know, you might as well have the, the, the plus 250 in your pocket. Hope, you know, Air Force misses a field goal and Army converts a fourth down. That's kind of what these teams do. So I actually don't hate you swinging big. Let's let's test the gallbladder theory. For mine, I'm going with one that some people might find interesting based on how we've kind of talked about them the past couple of weeks. Look, I'm taking Houston plus 130 at SMU. Anna Mordecai didn't play last week after suffering concussion week eight. Preston Stone started, but he broke his collarbone. He's now out for the year. Now, I am assuming Mordecai is going to be back, but ever since Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley left for TCU, who, by the way, now have the most explosive offense in the country, the SMU offense has understandably dropped off. Last season, Mordecai threw 39 touchdown passes, completed just 68% of his passes. This year, he's thrown only 16. He's completing 60% of his passes. Now, the offense is still explosive, but they're just 83rd in success rate. And if you watch this team, which I have more than I care to admit, they just they really struggle to run the ball, and their entire offense is Rashi Rice. It's like unbelievable how much they throw to him. He has 62 catches this season. The next closest receiver has 70. That's one of the most – I would argue it's probably, without looking it up, the biggest difference of any team in the country. And while, yes, we have given up on Houston as a New Year's Six contender and even an AAC championship contender, they're still 5-3. and three. They're still 3-1 and one in conference play, and their only loss was to Tulane by three in overtime, and they outgained them by over 100 yards. Since then, they won three in a row, and my God, is Clayton Toon dialed in right now. He has 21 touchdowns this year, just four interceptions. Over the last three games, he's averaging 338 yards with 12 touchdowns over that stretch. He has been the AAC Offense Player of the Week in each of his last three games. They have, you know, they have their own stud receiver in Nathaniel Dell that he can match Rice. He can go big, big play for big play, just like Rice can. But they are a little more deep. You know, guys like Keshawn Carter, Samuel Brown, they both been playing really well. A huge key for Houston is running back Tayshawn Henry could return this week. Initially, uh, Hogerson thought he was going to return against USF. He didn't end up making it back. But freshman Stacey Sneed has actually come on strong the last two weeks. And, yeah, the Houston defense isn't that good, but neither is SMU's. And the Mustangs get no pressure. So Toon should have all day to throw the ball. And pressure is really the only thing Houston does really well on defense, which probably isn't great for a quarterback coming off a concussion. They have the best pass rush in the nation. So, yeah, you know, Rasheed Rice is a stud, but Houston corner Art Green is six foot two, 200 pounds. He's just as big as Rice is. He's allowed less than 40 yards per game against him. He's yet to allow a touchdown catch. Opponents are averaging just a 52% completion percentage on Green this year. So, look, I would have never said it last year, but I just trust Toon more than I do Mordecai right now. And I think Houston has a good recipe to pull off this win against SMU. I think this is absolutely a zombie Houston situation. We wrote them off. They were dead. You know, they had no chance in the AAC. They now, I, I have to check some of the, the matchups. I'm not sure if they 100% control their own destiny, but if they win out, I think there's a better than 50-50 shot that they could end up in that two slot because Tulane still has to play Cincinnati and UCF. So Tulane can knock both of those teams down 
And then Houston could end up as the only team with one loss outside of Tulane who's undefeated in AAC play. So everything's there in terms of motivation for them. And I agree with the Tune versus Tanner Mordecai comparison because honestly, Mordecai just hasn't been the same guy. And and to be fair to him as well, it wasn't just Rice last year. They had so many weapons. They had Bentley the fourth in the backfield. They had all these different pieces that you know ended up either leaving the portal or exhausted their eligibility. And it's clear when he drops back to pass, it's a one read offense now. And I'm kind of with you. You know, Houston was supposed to have one of the best G5 defenses, Doug Belk, you know, the million dollar man in the, the defensive booth for the Cougs. Maybe he's finally getting it together. He had some different pieces. He had some injuries on the defensive line that, you know, have to adjust how they're going to create pressure. Maybe he's figured it out. So I think this is a good play. And when you look at their remaining schedule as well, there's not a team there that scares you. So Houston, in terms of a momentum standpoint and confidence, I think they clearly have it. Um, my only concern is, you know, betting on Dana Holgerson. But if I'm going ahead and firing away with Moneyline underdogs of touchdown or more, then you're more than likely to break out some quarterbacks who've been, or some coaches, I should say, who are kind of on betting probation for us. They're not quite in, in podcast prison, but Holgerson had done his, his worst through the first couple weeks of the season to earn himself into the doghouse. At this point, Tune is almost just playing well enough to overcome Holgerson. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm banking on. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good point. Um, if we get asked our podcaster or podcast producer, Matt, what the money line combo pays out, I'm sure it's a pretty tasty number. It pays out a juicy plus 650 in this special gallbladder removal money line underdog parlay. Yeah, I think this is the time to do it. It's We got all the good mojo going. I think we've exercised our demons. I've exercised my, you know, anatomy that's not working for me so you know, like it, it's it's all happening in terms of making the right decisions and audibles on the fly throughout the season i like our card to be honest i thought it was yeah. kind of a lean week there's not there's nothing on the cutting room floor for me there's maybe a couple leans but nothing that i was kind of jonesing to put onto the show how about you and by the way not to brag i have now hit two my line dogs in a row so hopefully you know you got out the bad juju cut it out on saturday and now we're feeling good yeah, the only thing I had on the current floor was, like I said, UTSA uh, over. I liked. Maybe I'm just getting caught up because he's he's my boy now that now that Zappy's gone. He's probably my you know we've never hidden our fan favoritism on this podcast. If there's one thing you know about us, it's we are we take pride in our biases. Fresno State laying 24 at home against Hawaii. We saw what they did once Hayner got back in rhythm in that second half. There's a good chance the Bulldogs just absolutely flex on the Rainbow Warriors. So I may end up laying that that big 24 with Fresno State and, and our boy Jay Kaner coming back. Yeah, I'm seeing it bubbling up to 27 at some other books. Uh, well, I, wish I, I, I think wish I, I took it at 24 when I wrote it down yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the secret is out there. Um, as someone who plays college fantasy football as well, I have Nico Remigio on my team, and he went from someone who couldn't get a pass thrown to him by Fife to having a breakout game as soon as Hayner came back. So Hayner unlocks the entire offense. Mims is going to be able to run. I agree. I think maybe if if you feel like you're getting a bad number, if it goes all the way up to 28, go over on the team total, because I, I think this is a, an, a neck crack game for the Fresno offense that's been frustrated ever since Hayner got hurt. Yeah, I agree. All right, before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. 
So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right. So just to recap all of our picks real nice and tight here, I'm going with South Alabama, Georgia Southern over 60 and a half as my best bet. Calabrese is laying 15 and a half with the Yukon Huskies at home on Friday night at the rent. High five round robin. I'm taking the Tulane Tulsa under 58. Southern Miss minus two and a half against Georgia State and the Army Air Force under 40 auto bet. And Calabrese is going with UTSA as a pick against UAB. And James Madison, Louisville, over 52 and a half. For our money line underdog, the gallbladder removal money line underdog parlay, I'm taking Houston plus 130. Calibri going with Army plus 225 for a fat payout of plus 650. All lines courtesy of BetMGM. Calibri, any parting words? How you feeling? Made it through live, excited to uh, continue the rehabilitation process, recovery process, because it, it's a great weekend for college football. The fact that I was actually surprised by the college football playoff reveal, a show that shouldn't exist. It's just like total fluff, and you know it's been jammed down our throat for years. But the fact that Tennessee was actually crowned number one, one way or another, it's going to make for dramatic, great football on Saturday, you know, between the hedges at 3.30 on CBS – so whether they justify that ranking or Georgia feeds them right into the wood chipper, I'm excited for that. And just the fact that we have some new blood at the top of the rankings, our own Brett McMurphy, Mr. Sources, pointing out that the initial four in the college football playoff rankings have never been the final four that actually go to the bowl games. Clearly, there's going to be some shakeup at some point, um, but just really excited to, to watch some football. And even Maction tonight, Maction, you know, served me up. It was like a, a warm cup of soup to my soul. Last night, I, I hit Ohio on the money line. Um, so happy to get some, some more match and double dip here on Wednesday night. And speaking of Brett McMurphy, make sure to follow Brett McMurphy on Twitter to see if he breaks any news about Calabrese's gallbladder being announced as the new head coach of Auburn because he is a free agent now after getting cut out of his body. Mike, thanks again for joining us, cutting it through. You are our G5 Hero of the Week. For Mike Ionello, Mike Calabrese. See ya. Appreciate it.